Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Does it get any better than Chicago food? From longtime favorites to newly opened locations, Italian beef joints to pizza places, burritos to sushi, Chicago's very own eats celebrates a wide range of food and restaurants in the greater Chicagoland area. Hosts Kevin Powell and Michael Piff welcome you into their daily food talk in the WGN Radio break room as they discuss their latest foodie adventures, their top five lists, the latest social media arguments, interviews with chefs, and conversations with local celebs about their favorite places to eat. This is Chicago's Very Own Eats. This is another edition of Chicago's Very Own Eats. I'm Kevin Powell alongside Mike Piff. And joining us, a frequent guest on the Chicago's Very Own Eats podcast, Nick Kindlesberger. You know that name if you follow the food scene in Chicago, covers the food scene for the Chicago Tribune. It does it well. A few things we wanted to get to with Nick on this episode. Let's start with the James Beard Award winners. It was here in Chicago. Um, what can you tell us about the the winners here in Chicago? I know we had a couple of them. Yeah, so Chicago actually did really well on Monday night. I was a little worried because we didn't get as many nominations as we had in the past. They kind of spread the love around the Midwest to try to give other places like Detroit some some love. But we um, got the first award of the night, actually. DeMar Brown won uh, Emerging Chef for his work at Virtue. This is a restaurant in Hyde Park that's just been getting loads of great attention recently. Eric Williams, the executive chef, actually won last year um, for Best Chef in the Great Lakes region. And this year, we also won Best Chef Great Lakes with uh, Kasama. So Jeannie Kwan and Tim Flores won the, the Best Chef Award for Kasama, which is sort of the Filipino restaurant. I don't know if you two have been, but... It has a concept where during the morning it's like a bakery and a sandwich shop, and they're just beautiful pastries, and, but you can just walk up and get something and head out. And then at night it's more of a tasting menu, fine dining location, and it's one of the most amazing tasting menus I've ever had in Chicago. So wow. very well-deserved um, and a great night for us. Yeah, it's... Um both places at the top of my list to get to. Kasama is a place who I've you know I've heard about for a while now, and of course Virtue, which if you're looking for Southern style cooking, I guess that's how I would describe it, Nick. If uh, you know blackened yeah. catfish, mac and cheese, uh, braised short ribs, stuff like that. Uh, if you're craving that, Hyde Park Virtue is the spot to be. I it, it just feel like I keep hearing more and more about Virtue. Really, both places that one. I was I was kind of pulling for Obelix because that's one I've been to, the new French restaurant, which was up for best new restaurant, and uh, they didn't yeah. win. But it's also a fantastic spot. How would you say? Because I think us Chicagoans all view Chicago as one of the culinary capitals in America. Um, at least we know how spoiled we are when it comes to the food in Chicago and around Chicago with so many different styles. How would, because you have a better grasp on the full scene, I would say, of, of other cities, the big cities, New York, West Coast, San Francisco, or Boston, whatever it might be. How do you think Chicago stacks up with other big cities when it comes to the culinary world? Oh, yeah. No, we're in the top. You know, we're up there with New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco. 
And yeah, I just think that what we're seeing right now is a lot of people who have worked in those cities are going off to other open other places around the country. And so we're starting to see some of these restaurants show up now and get some attention. I guess last night, the big winner, or not last night, but the, on Monday night, the big winner was Philadelphia. They picked up some awards for best uh, new restaurant and um, I think even best restaurant in the country. And so that was pretty cool. But, you know, Chicago is, is amazing because we just have all these people. I mean, look at who won. We have a restaurant that is essentially a Filipino restaurant. It is the only Filipino restaurant to have a Michelin star in the world. And then we have this amazing southern restaurant in this very northern city. So to see that in Chicago, you know, I feel like we're the center. Like, everyone can come to us. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're on the East Coast where people have to, you know, go to New York to, to try some stuff. It's, it's really exciting that we have everything right here. The James Beard Award ceremony itself, uh, that's not going, that's staying in Chicago, right? This is not a, I know it's been here for a while. Is it always, has it always been here? What's the long term when it comes to that? So it, it started in New York and then it moved here, I want to say around 2014, 2013. And I know for a fact that it's going to stay here through 2027 Good. at the very least. We'll see if it continues to stay here or if it's sort of hot, you know, have pops around the country for a bit. But it's been pretty fun to have it here. I, you know, I, I get to go every year now, and it's, a, it's just a wonderful celebration of the actual restaurants. So, you know, everyone's coming to celebrate how hard it is to run a restaurant and what it means to them and how they can lift up each other. So it was a very positive ceremony this year, especially. I think the last couple of years have been so, you know, disheartening with the pandemic and everything that people were just fighting for survival. But yeah. this one felt like, yes, let's celebrate who what's really important, um, you know, serving guests, making sure we are treating our workers fairly, treating our farmers fairly, things like that. So it was a really, really great ceremony. Now, I don't know if either of you guys, Kevin and Nick, if you've watched the show Julia on HBO Max, but there is actually a James Beard episode where uh, Julia Child uh, kind of does a whole like night out with James Beard. It's fantastic if you haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it. Oh, it's such a good show. Um, but for those who might yeah. not know about um, you know the James Beard Awards, Nick, can you kind of walk through our audience, through like what goes into nominating chefs and restaurants and, and the whole process of awarding these different restaurants and, and, and chefs? Yeah, so there's uh, essentially a group of people that are the judges around the country. Usually they are people uh, like me <laughs> that are uh, in the food media or food writing kind of things, or they're part of the industry. And so it's a very, very long process. We've been working on this for a long time. So you sort of nominate restaurants, and then people go out and try them so that we're actually trying the food, so it's not just a puff piece about who we think is the coolest new chef. And then we, then they all get together, and they debate, you know, for their particular reason, or in their particular region, excuse me, about what they think is important and then so that's basically how it goes so every region of the country has its own sort of group of people and then there are these sort of national awards that are decided by uh, you know exponentially more people 
So something like the Emerging Chef that um, DeMar Brown won was a national award. And so that was a really big deal that he got that. Um, But he also worked extremely hard. (laughs) You know, he's been working under Eric Williams for, you know, more than 10 years and has really started to show his stuff off at Virtue. So it's pretty cool. Uh, Let's bounce around a little bit some stuff you've covered for the Tribune. I know Mike read it. I read it. a few weeks ago came out in the Tribune, but your your piece on pastrami. Oh, yeah. He did the Lord's work with he that. Did, he yeah. did the Lord's work. Who doesn't <laughs> love some... <laughs> who does not love some good pastrami? Tell us about what you did there, uh, some of the spots you checked out when it does come to great pastrami in the area. Yeah, so I love pastrami. I'm, I'm so glad you guys like it, too. I think every you know a lot of people love pastrami. I didn't set out to do a pastrami thing. I don't like to just kind of set goals of like, oh, now it's time to find the best something or other. Oh, the pastrami found you? Is that it? The pastrami (laughs) found me. I was doing a thing on barbecue because I was so excited about all these barbecue restaurants that were opening. And I noticed a number of them were serving pastrami, which I just found bizarre. Because 10 or 15 years ago, this wasn't the case. Pastrami was not a normal part of a barbecue menu. But when I started to think about it, it kind of made sense because pastrami is made sort of by you sort of corn beef, which means you soak it in a brine for a while, and then you put a bunch of spices on it and then smoke it, and then that's pastrami. So it's corned beef before you smoke it, and then afterwards it becomes pastrami. So, you know, all these barbecue places have these smokers, and they either are making their own corned beef or buying corned beef that's made specifically for them. And I was just stunned by the results. Chicago's never been a pastrami town. We're a corned beef town. And I don't know why that happened, but it did. <laughs> and so, uh, but now we have all these amazing pastrami options. So the place I noticed at first, uh, Green Street Smoked Meats in the West Loop, has had pastrami on the menu since it opened, and it's just phenomenal. It's always incredibly juicy and just packed with pepper and all these other spices. But other ones I really loved were Soul and Smoke up in Evanston. I gotta go there. Station, yeah, it's incredible. They're actually building a new restaurant. You know, it's one of those things you never know exactly when it's going to get finished, but I'm hoping towards the fall they're building a big restaurant there. Because right now it's sort of a takeout. They have an indoors, but anyway, okay. Then um, Station One Smokehouse in Plainfield, Illinois. Uh, uh, Mel's Craft Barbecue. Um, Chicago Culinary Kitchen. And then even Bub City is making their own pastrami in-house. And it's quite excellent right there in River North. You know, it's funny you said how Chicago's always been more of a corned beef town, not a pastrami town. It's funny because Dan Raskin over at Manny's, I don't think he'll care that I'm saying this, but the the past couple of times we've talked to him or the one time Mike and I went there and recorded, he's like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Chicago has just seemed to prefer the corned beef. He's like, I really like the pastrami. I'm like, I love pastrami too. I love both of them. You know, it's funny you talked about pastrami being smoked at barbecue spots. There was a place in Northbrook, and I, I, I don't know if it's still open. This maybe would have been 15 years ago, and... If it's still open, I'll look it up. I'll plug it on the next episode. But they, I remember I went in to check it out, and they had smoked pastrami, and I was blown away, Nick. I was like, this is incredible. Like, it does make sense. And that was so long ago. I, I don't know if that place is still open, but I got it. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, it, it is, it's a perfect match to get pastrami in with yeah. the barbecue, you know? 
Absolutely. And so, and even places like Manny's that have been doing it forever are all of a sudden, you know, I talked to Danny too, and he said that pastrami has just skyrocketed in popularity. I mean, I'm sure he would like it to be even more than it is now, but, you know, they now offer two different kinds of pastrami. So they have their sort of the pastrami recipe that they've been doing for years. And then they also have a hand carved and heavily smoked pastrami that's available usually on the weekends, sort of on the busier days, Friday, Saturday kind of thing. So next time you're at Manny's at that date, like definitely try this out because they're really like pushing on the pastrami to get it better known. All right, going from from the the uh, the barbecue to some more fine dining. You recently re- reviewed Azador Bastion, which is a new spot in River North, which I've kind of been scouting. It does look pricey. Yeah. I do want to get to it. It looks more of a special occasion type spot, unless you get deep pockets and you just like to hit all the top restaurants. But uh, give us your review a review of Azador Bastion, what it's all about. It is very expensive, yeah. <laughs> so definitely special occasion. So I don't know about you, but like I love, I do love steakhouses. I love going to mm-hmm. them, but I don't find myself spending my own money there. Like I usually go if someone asks me they want to take me out, or like you know, families in town. Uh, but Alfredo Bastian is really focused on finding beef, like boutique beef, essentially that they're aging in house usually, and it's some of the best steak I've ever had. Um, and they're doing, instead of sort of just focusing on whatever the, the prime beef that they can find with the most marbling, they're, they're sort of, they're looking at beef from older cattle, which is something almost completely alien to Chicago steakhouses. Instead, they're looking towards steakhouses in Spain. This has been very traditional in northern Spain, in the um, San, like San Sebastian and, and those kind of areas. So this beef is a little older. And what I mean by older is like most beef that's in steakhouses is less than two years old before it's processed or you know slaughtered. <laughs> um, but the beef in at Asador Bastion is at least four years old, and then they have some where the, the cow is almost the cattle is almost like twelve years old. And so, if you love steak and really want to try something completely unique to Chicago, this is one place to do it. And it's run by an amazing couple that run Andros Traverna, so Doug Saltis and his wife um, Ching Chen. And, but it also they also specialize in many other sort of Spanish dishes. They have a great seafood program, um, but it is not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it is definitely a special occasion restaurant. But if you, you know, if you instead of going to Gibson's one time, you should definitely give this a shot. I'm glad you gave it the proper pronunciation because I gave it my real Chicago Azador Bastion. <laughs> and you, you, you really uh, you gave it the real flair it deserves, Nick. Um Put oh, well, it, put I'm it trying on the, to do the Duolingo thing to, to get my <laughs> Spanish pronunciation no, out no. of it. You, you did it right. I, um, I was going full sugar. What's this Azador Bastion spot you're talking about? Um, you know, I'm glad you brought up steakhouses. Like, I love a good steakhouse visit. Obviously, for most, it's a special occasion, and especially now. And you look at steak prices at some of these premier steakhouses in Chicago. It's, it's kind of crazy, you know, but it is fun to... 
to go out with a group for a special occasion or a date night or whatever. And sometimes the, the atmosphere at these steakhouses are so great. You just sit at a bar, get a drink and an appetizer too. Um, and I yep. think a lot of people have gotten a lot better at home at understanding how to butter baste a steak, how to cook a steak. You know, not everybody just throws it on a high heat grill anymore. I think we all kind of have the tools, whether it's a cast iron or a carbon steel, something like that. I think a lot of people have yep. kind of figured out really how to to master the steak at home. It might not be the same cut you're going to get at a premier steakhouse, um, but I know I love trying to master the 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 steak cook at home, especially on you know whether it's a carbon steel I have or the cast iron. People have gotten a lot better at that for a lot of reasons, obviously because we have so many instructions online. But you know you you really have got to be in the mood to splurge to go drop eighty ninety bucks on a steak. Yeah, exactly. If you can go to the store and get a thirty to forty dollars steak and cook it at home and do a really good job with it, you know you're saving hundreds of dollars yeah. by instead of going out to do that. Uh, but I do love steakhouses. I'm I with you. Service. I'm with you. Yeah, I love the like you know the swankiness of it. Amounts of money. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It's just a, it's such a scene, and I love being there. And I love, like, all the, you know, I love uh, chopped salads. Or not chopped salad, but, like, the iceberg salad. What is that? The, the blue cheese. The blue and cheese, the, the bacon, yeah. little tomato. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, wedge salad. That's wedge it, salad. It. There you go. So the wedge salad. I love, uh, you know, shrimp cocktails. And, yeah. Uh, oh. Martinis and yeah, I'm, I'm so, with you. You kind of fashion with old, it, good old yeah. fashioned or Manhattan, and immerse yourself into that experience. Totally, I'm, I'm totally yeah. on board with that. Um, any other thing you want to? Are you big on fests because it's fest season, and whether it's Taste of Chicago or the endless amount of fests we have in Chicago, are there any that stick out to you that if we're talking food and fests? That might stick out. If yeah. You, you f- fire away, Nick, if you got some for us. You know, Taste of Chicago is, is fun because you can kind of see places from all over the city. It's, you know, usually really hot and uncomfortable, but I've been every year to cover it. And so you will find some stuff. I guess it's not in its usual location this year because of yeah. the NASCAR, but uh, I need to double check that. I think they're moving. I think they're doing neighbor. I think they're doing neighborhood taste of Chicago's, and like the big ones not till September this year. Right? If I have that correct. Oh, is that it? Okay. Something along those lines. I know Taste of Randolph is a big one too. Of course, all the restaurants over there. Um, Rib Fest off of uh, Lincoln, I think it is. Right. That's a big one. North Center. Yeah. That is a big one. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm not a huge festival person. I prefer to like sit indoors. I'm a little fair skinned. Don't have a lot of hair on my head. I like. <laughs> hey, uh, one other question so, I have for you. Just because uh, yesterday I walked up to the station at uh, Wacker in Columbus, and there was a, a food truck outside. It was a taco truck, and I got a couple tacos that were very good. And pre-pandemic, and I know it was a thing. Sorry, I'm kind of sideswiping you with some random stuff here, but no, I know no, I know go. some restaurants were. You know, not exactly thrilled with some of the leeway that food trucks were getting that restaurants had to deal with themselves. But also the pandemic came. Yeah. We, we used to have multiple food trucks near the station on Upper Columbus where it was like Harold's and you can get Mexican. It was great. I mean, there were lines and, and then yeah. it's kind of disappeared. Like this was the first time I had seen a food truck outside of our spot. What, what's the state of the food truck in Chicago? I think it's really bad right now. Yeah, that's yeah. what I figured. Um, so we have bad, uh, I mean, we have very restrictive laws on food trucks. So that's one thing. And then because the loop 
population is still below what it was before the pandemic as far as the number of workers coming into town. That is also hurting the food truck. So I think that you're not seeing the food trucks by your station just because so many people, so few, I mean, not as many people are coming to work. Yeah. And so they don't, they're point. not making any money. Uh, I think that's really one part of it for sure. Yeah, and I think if people, um, you know, because, look, you go through, the, walk through the city on the weekends, it's absolutely jam-packed. But the, the weekday crowd, right. you can just tell it's a little bit different from pre-pandemic where you just kind of know some people are here for work and some people are here to enjoy themselves. I think if you're coming downtown, you're not saying to yourself, let's seek out a food truck. No disrespect to food trucks. Right. You've probably got a few restaurants or spots targeted anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't yeah, know. No, I mean, food I trucks are fun. Better. You know, it's I a think... fun thing. Yeah. If you need a taco recommendation, though, can I throw one at Fire you? Away. Fire away, Nick. <laughs> I, just, I just started going to this place called Taco Sur, um, Birria, and it's a uh, Tijuana-style Birria place at, I think it's 31st and Pulaski. And they have just incredible, they don't have all pastor, they have what they call autobata, which is essentially the it's sort of the same thing. It's stacked really high and cut off the trompo, but they're making their own tortillas and they, their birria is excellent. It's a beef birria. Hmm. It's not like a, a stupidly spicy or anything. It's just like really savory and beefy. And, but this place just opened and I'm just astonished by it. And I think that it's one of the best new taquerias that has popped up in the city. Good to know. Mike, you got anything else for Nick? Yeah, so in a couple weeks, we're going to be kicking off our Chicago's Best Beef Tournament. Uh, It's going to be just a 16... Very exciting. Yes, it's going to be a 16-seed tournament that we're going to be putting together. And I'm working on my list. I've I've actually consulted some of Italian Beef Twitter to help me out with some spots because, you know, I just want everyone involved. But do you have a couple spots that we should be including in here? I know one that I really need to get over to, and we're not too far from there, so I have no excuse, is that stand over on Navy Pier. Uh, Is it... Chichios is how do I pronounce that one? Yeah, yeah. I'm, my Italian is no good at all, so let's go with what you said. Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> I have a little bit in me, so I feel like I have some cred and sway there. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, this was amazing. I talked to the owner Mario, and it's a very interesting Italian beef because it's thicker than sort of more traditional Italian beef that I've had in the city from places like. Al's number one or Portillo's, but it's still very tender. And the roll is a little crunchier, a little crisper, which I like. And it turns out he thinks he sort of has proof that his dad was one of the first people to make an Italian beef um, in little Italy in sort of the 1930s. It's a little fuzzy, the dates and things, and I don't think it's the first Italian beef, but he was very proud of it, and apparently this is that recipe. And he actually had an Italian beef stand in the 70s out in Austin, which, of course, I wasn't able to go try, but, you know, he has some Italian beef lineage in him, and it's just a really fascinating Italian beef, and it's so weird that it's at Navy Pier, because that's not a place I would consider to be an Italian beef hotspot. We need to take a little 
little dive on this, Mike. I will say I spent a, yeah. a Sunday at Navy Pier a couple weeks ago, and I know we always think tourists, tourists, tourists. It we had a great time. It's I mean, there was cool live there. music at the end of the yeah. pier. Like I know it has the reputation yeah. of, of tourists, and it is. I get that, but I mean, you walk up and down, and there's little bars set up, and. You know, there's a tamale stand at the end. I'm like, this isn't so touristy. It felt like a lot of Chicagoans. We were hanging out. There was live music. I'm like, you know, screw the common thought about Navy Pier. I'm going to walk over here. You know, we walk along the lake. I live downtown, and then we make our way to yeah. Navy Pier. It was great. We had a great time. I, I actually have to agree. I think it's really pretty. It's a beautiful, like, view of downtown Chicago. Yeah. And they really have actually improved the, the dining options. They have some higher-end stuff now, uh, Art Smith, and then um, another restaurant that, that is escaping my mind right now. But, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. I mean, I wish it were a little easier to get there and, and maybe, you know, it's expensive to park. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like it. And my daughter loves to go there, too, because they have some really good kid activities. Yeah, yeah, it, it's. I was kind of blown away. Like you always think Navy Pier, like I don't need to go over there. That's where the tourists go. And then I go, went went over there, and we were just going to go for like an hour. I think we hung out for two, three hours just hanging out. So don't uh, don't uh, dismiss Navy Pier, folks. If you're looking for something to do this <laughs> don't summer, don't sleep on the Navy. <laughs> don't pier. sleep on the Navy Pier. It's not just for the tourists. I think you will enjoy yourself in Navy Pier. Uh, Nick Kindlesberger from the Chicago Tribune does a great job covering the Chicago food scene. We always appreciate you jumping on, Nick. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. And that was the latest episode of Chicago's Very Own Eats. I'm Kevin Powell for Mike Piff. Thank you for listening. This is Chicago's Very Own Eats.